Untitled Beatles Podcast. You gotta confirm with me that I'm recording. Wait a minute. I actually want to see the counter. The counter. Yeah. It's it's a VCR. I need to I need to press reset <laughs> with the uh, the practical right. rolling over. <laughs> gonna go. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, I'm recording. Congratulations. <laughs> really, this, the, the the times I feel older and like I forgot to hit it. Okay. Yeah. I'm ready. Well, welcome to the Untitled Beatles podcast. So this week, my name is Tony Mendoza, and this week I'm T.J. Shanoff. And it's good to see you, Tony. Yeah, great to play these roles as Beatles fans. Secretly, we really hate them, but we're just trying to see like the other side and how the other side thinks about the Beatles and why they like them and stuff like that. Here's the thing. It's like going undercover with QAnon. I really (laughs) believe in it, but I tell people I hate it, so I go undercover to believe in it and come out hating it. Yeah, man. When I'm when I'm done with this podcast, I'm gonna tear this Sgt. Pepper costume I'm wearing up into shreds. <laughs> it's right, which is an authentic one. You 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 Thank purchased you. at the Sotheby's gift shop. Yes. Did I say is it Sotheby's? Did I just make up a famous auction house? <laughs> Sotheby's? I, it's Sotheby's, yeah. When I was a bike messenger, I used to make pickups from Sotheby's. But I like softbies. It's like the, the Honer Hoffner thing I fell into last week. Whenever that was. Previously on the Untitled Beatles podcast. <laughs> it's great seeing you, Tony. We have a we have a good show uh, planned for it's actually I don't like when people say that. We I cannot guarantee we have a good show planned yeah, for you. Yeah, we have no idea. We haven't we have done no it idea. yet. It might be awful. Uh, we thought we would cover the Beatles Love Project with the Cirque de Soleil Moonfry. Bande Soleil for the Saint-Tropez. That's for you. Remember that commercial? It's an 80s commercial. Uh, I remember the Picante sauce one. Get a rope and all that. (laughs) El Paso? Uh, Whichever one it was. Yeah, pass the old El Paso. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so this... All right, full disclosure. This is a... uh, It's a show in Vegas. Still running, right? As far as I know. I mean, I think, still. is anything running right now? That's I think it was running pre-pandemic, and now it's probably... Are Vegas shows on pause? They're so stupid out there. If, to all, all respect to our non-stupid friends of Las Vegas. It's a lot of stupid people. In the, the mayor's stupid. Like it, it, There are stupid people in Las Vegas. So maybe they are seeing yeah. shows. But I know it was still a huge smash. Like It was still like a premier show destination in Vegas as of before the pandemic hit. Well, I'd love to see it. I need to see it. I can't believe I haven't seen it. I'm not really a Vegas guy, so that's probably why I haven't seen it. But um, aren't you kind of an old Vegas guy? I can see you being <laughs> like a '50s Vegas guy. I read "Yes, I Can" by Sammy Davis Jr., which is a great book and highly recommended. I started saying bits. Uh, this is in the mid '90s before I took an improv class. And then I moved to Chicago and start taking improv classes and people start talking about bits. And I'm like, oh, I'm living the Sammy Davis life, man. <laughs> That's right. That's where every improviser in their 20s gets the reference from is Sammy Davis Jr. They also all love the Candyman, not the movie, but the, but the, um, the really weird kind of cover of that Leslie Brickus uh, 60s hit. Yeah, that's a weird song, man. <laughs> weird. That, to me, that song is what cocaine sounds like, is what that is. <laughs> the candy man. <laughs> it is sinister. Well, um, but he you've talks seen in that affected show. voice. Come on, kids. Yeah, um, I've seen Love <laughs> twice. I've like my entire Beatles sightseeing experience, Liverpool and London. 
were all done off of uh, shows, off of gigs. And every year I do a two or th- up till this year, do about two, three corporate shows in Vegas every year. And whenever I have a free night, I try to do something. It's not often, but yeah, I've seen love twice while I was there for work, uh, both early on, I think 08 and 2010. So like early on in the run. And what'd you think? Uh, blew me away. I mean, I'm, I'm a nice an unapologetic, as you know, musical theater guy. And to me, it's and they actually mentioned this in that altogether now documentary from 07, I think, which I hadn't seen in many years and watched it as homework for this. Uh, You know, when he's kind of being questioned by Olivia, like, well, is it a musical? Are people going to expect this is a a Cirque show or a musical? And it is. Right. Right. It's kind of more of a musical done the most brilliant way possible. It's not a cover band. It's not a tribute band. It is these very tastefully and conservatively rethought takes on Beatles songs from the Beatles masters done by their original producer and his son Giles. So it's as organic and authentic as you're going to get to see a Beatles theater experience. Uh, The coolest thing about the room without getting too much into the plot or any of that, it's more like a review, you know, in in sketch parlance, kill me for using the phrase in (laughs) sketch parlance, by the way, I don't be that fucking guy. (laughs) You know, in sketch parlance versus the improv realm. <laughs> so I lost my train of thought. We'll be right back. We're going to reset to one right after this. Well, no, you were saying that you liked something about the set design. Yeah, the thing about the set design is every seat directly in front of you had speakers, stereo speakers. And the oh, entire yeah. room is outfitted in a way, I mean, it's not 5.1 out of its 9 point. It, it's, it predated Dolby Atmos. I don't know what it's called, but the sound design is the number one part of the set where you're hearing these songs that you think you know so well and hearing elements, uh, the harpsichord and all you need is love. The, the uh, uh, but right. Paul's bass in just about everything. With all due respect <laughs> to, to the recent bass in your face. By the way, Ace of Bass, my generation's Beatles. But there were, uh, there were speakers everywhere, so you're fully immersed. And when there's bits to use uh, Tony Improv parlance, Ooh, ladies and it. gentlemen, please welcome Tony Improv parlance. <laughs> Can we get a suggestion for uh, 185 uh, magicians? <laughs> Is that how that works? So <laughs> I think it's exactly how it works. You just deconstructed short form. By the way, deconstructing short form is my Zoom workshop for $800 for a half hour. And we just do bits because that's hashtag prop life. The fuck are we talking about? Well, you were talking about how the sound design built into the speakers. It sounds like a Magic Alex dream come true. That's right. It was put plugged into the wall. The the spin, Every clip of Magic Alex has that bloop, bloop, oh, the weird it. like I science audio that stuff m- in the background. Those Moog synthesizers. The Moog. Just, uh, yeah. Moog. I know. Moog heads. It's Moog. Dude, that Moog heads podcast is hardcore, by, by the way. So yeah, well, that, that's what's so amazing. This, it is yeah. it, musically and the bits that they do, I think is what I was saying. There's dialogue and little kind of, it's almost like the fly on the wall, let it be naked bonus CD where it's just a lot of random conversation leading into takes. And the whole thing, I saw it twice, Tony, both times, I mean, I left in a puddle. Some of that was because I had a lot to drink. <laughs> Primarily, it was because I was bawling for mo- for most of the show. Oh, that's cool, man. Truly. You and I, we should go and see this. 
I would right now. That's, that's our GoFundMe. In these COVID times, can you fund a production of the love for yeah, Tony? We'll, we'll just sit with the one seat between us, like guys do, and that'll be our COVID. Yeah, thing. I don't fucking go see plays next to a dude. Yeah, I don't sit I next was, to a stranger. I buy three seats. <laughs> I always thought that was funny when guys go to a movie theater together and they sit one seat apart, just like <laughs> no homo here. Okay, I'm not like that. <laughs> I just don't want to sit so close to my buddy during the Birdcage. <laughs> <laughs> that movie kind of. Su- I love La Caja Faux, but the Birdcage, not a fan. Right, Nathan Hale, of course, was in that. Um, the famous American patriot. No. <laughs> I always do that joke. I do that stupid joke every time. There's a, there's a statue in front of the Tribune building, right, of Nathan Hale, I think, in Chicago. Somewhere. Yeah, I, I always make the gag that, oh, he was great in La Caja Fall. <laughs> uh, excuse me, the birdcage. <laughs> Dude, the best thing about that 92 Guys and Dolls revival, Nathan Hale. <laughs> I just had to go musical theater deep for you. Later, more on Faith Prince. But in the meantime, you do have to go see it when the show is up and running. I'll I'll sit on your lap. I'm afraid of nothing. <laughs> Me and too, man. All right. Sounds good. I, I advise it. And here's the thing. I think I've referred to love on an earlier podcast of ours as being a bit of a kind of a – there's an element of gross commercialism to it. I mean, the, it, it's it's certainly organic that Guy Liberté and George became good friends – came up with the idea, loved it. George passed away shortly thereafter. That's all true. But the amount of money this has made for both the Beatles empire, 5882300. Can <laughs> we get one of those? <laughs> nice. <laughs> what MD doesn't have his bell nearby? I've been remissing every other every other taping. But you know, it's true. I mean, it, it's a constant cash cow for uh, the Mirage for Las Vegas for Cirque for the Beatles, so there is an element of commercial grossness to it. It's I don't think it's quote unquote organic. It doesn't make it any less beautifully done. I'm gonna shut up and now Tony. <laughs> well, I I uh, I like the record a lot, and uh, and I watched the DVD of the making of process called All Together Now, and I found it quite fascinating. Uh, you know, I never really gave this record much of a spin at all, really, until I went to see um, Yellow Submarine last summer or the summer before in Los Angeles. They put movies on in the Hollywood Cemetery, and one night they did. We get it. You're so L.A. Congratulations. <laughs> you lost your Chicago cred years ago, Rams fan. <laughs> That's my insult. Go Rams. I mean, if they're winning, go Rams. Uh, go Bears if they're winning, too. Uh, you know, try not to get that CTE, but yeah, go, go football, go. Um, I've not take I've not taken the CTE since the pandemic. I used to take the purple line all the time. A lot of red line. I'm a brown line guy. <laughs> well, so for the pre-show, like, you know, before they play the movie in the cemetery in Los Angeles here at the Hollywood Cemetery, um, you know, before the fireworks show, before the movie even starts, you know, before like all the schmoozing happens and before all the deals are made, uh, they play a lot of... You change, son. (laughs) I don't expect you to put Chardonnay in your face ever again. (laughs) Not in your mouth, but like on your face. I use it as an essential oil. Yeah, I don't even know how to pronounce that anymore. (laughs) G.R. Darner. No, man, I went to what a fucking what is it? Goddamn Geno's East, Sherman Oaks on my birthday. Fuck you. 
<laughs> yeah, but you passed up the L.A. Pequods on the way, you traitor. L.A. Pequods. L.A. Pequods is better. L.A. Pequods is better. <laughs> Oddly enough, no pizza. <laughs> yeah, just it's better. It's just better. Oh, God. So, well, anyway, they were playing a bunch of, like, covers. Like, I heard the Breeders Do Happiness is a Warm Gun. I heard the, And then I heard this, the, I think it's my favorite thing on the soundtrack. It's when they do Within You, Without You, and Tomorrow Never Knows. And uh, full disclosure, I was well into an edible and walking around uh, the graveyard, <laughs> the crowded, crowded graveyard, you know, with this giant PA system pumping that song. And it was great. It was great. It was dark by then. And yeah, there was fun green, like the green lights and shadows. I mean, it was, it was a trip, man. It was fun. And it makes that mashup makes sense. Yeah. It's, it, it takes the kind of the best of both songs in some respects and just makes it make a ton of sense together. Yeah. I, I like that. I've never been much of a, a mashup guy. Uh, smashing them, dude. You gotta hear the Smash Mouth Kid Rock <laughs> mashup. The Smash Mouth Kid Rock smush up. It's so good. Kid mouth, <laughs> kid mouth. Yeah, it's basically it's 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 you hear them kiss during the song, and there's still one seat between them at the theater. <laughs> oh God, my my son's got a case of kid mouth, and we probably shouldn't joke. Okay, you know when it—it's when it hits home, not funny. Yeah, when it happens to me, not funny. <laughs> That's how it goes these days. I think yeah. it's fun to hear these. I do. Yeah, okay, so I do think it's fun to hear these songs in this mashup. Uh, it's fun. I think it's a clever record. Again, like these songs, we've heard them. They're ingrained in our brains in a certain way. They're almost, you know, they're like tattooed in there. So when they took them out and mixed them up a little bit i don't think they're all winners or whatever but none of them like you know i didn't get all pissed off about it you know and like how dare you take eleanor rigby and put a droning sitar (laughs) on it you fuck (laughs) who the fuck george martin do you think you okay so let's let's start there if we're going to talk about the soundtrack let's see I, i i agree with you tony in that I've actually, when this came out, I, I, here's a little story nobody's going to care about, but maybe you, I was on a gig. It was, I think the, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, remember records used to come out on Tuesdays. Now I think every day is Friday, Tuesday before Thanksgiving, I was coming back from a corporate second city gig and I took the, uh, blue line Hmm. to the Addison bus, got to use an old receipt to bill for a cab. Because fuck you, <laughs> what are you going to do about it? The worst thing about Lyft and Uber is you can't lie about taking the L anymore. <laughs> Terrible. I I, I could have bought like a boat from lying about taking the L for about a, a <laughs> yeah, decade. You, yeah, you got that squirreled away. <laughs> exactly. So, but I, I did that just because there was a target on Addison that I knew would have that it was the easiest way to get from the airport to my house and get that CD immediately upon its release. So I went to that target, grabbed the love CD, got back on the Addison bus, went home. And (laughs) I I've, I've really loved it ever since the vinyl import came out about a year or so later. I got that. Like I said, I saw the show twice after I heard the CD. 
I love it. I think it is a it is a great and tasteful and responsible and far out, but in a good way, not too far out take on these songs we know and love. Yeah, man. I totally agree. So yeah, let's pick out some of our favorites then. Um, it does seem like they're kind of infatuated with that song because... Starts the whole show. Which is a nice song. Yeah. Now I was going to ask you, TJ, I know you don't like that version of Across the Universe with the birds in it, but they added some birds to Because... Now, how do you how do you feel about that? They did add birds. It's not the it's not the birds that I like in Across the Universe. It's the tempo. Oh, it does. It's it's that sped up. I mean, in, I don't like birds. All due respect to Hitchcock, I'm not a birds fan. <laughs> I generally don't like. I'm I'm not I'm not. What do they call people who are afraid of birds? Oh, uh, I I used to know it's something like Orno. It's uh, it's something like that. I used to know that. I'm oh great. Latin. I'm not an Orno. <laughs> 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 By the way, Yorko Orno, best Yorko known as Orno. John, John Lennon. <laughs> right, when she, when she came down from the planet Orno in that episode of Happy Days, it blew my mind. <laughs> a little trivia for you. It was a seven-parter <laughs> that aired during April and May sweeps. I mean, that was, was a big one. So... <laughs> Uh, it, it's, it's, it, there's a lot of great songs in there, but what I was going to say before we kind of talk about our favorite songs, George Martin's role in this is always been fascinating to me because 10, excuse me, 11 years prior, his hearing wasn't good enough to do free as a bird in real love. They brought in Jeff Lynn. Right. And that was actually, I don't want to say controversial. I'd have to check my old Beatle fan magazines at some point to see if that was controversial. <laughs> I don't remember. But I think there was some thought of George was actively producing in the early 90s. You know, he still had a studio. This is all before the hurricane hit Montserrat, I think. Right. So right. the uh, it was strange that why George Martin's not dead. Why is Jeff Lim producing this? So granted, George was assisted by his son, Giles, who turned out to be a, just a brilliant producer and a great carrier of the Beatles legacy. But it's strange that George Martin wasn't asked to do Free as a Bird and Real Love to me. No, I agree. I agree. Um, I'm really glad he was involved with this project. Um, he was able to find all the bits that could work together. It was almost like he had the, their catalog in his mind, you know? Yeah. I, and I think as we kind of go transition to the songs a bit, Eleanor Rigby starts with just that his strings that he arranged to sound like uh, who's the composer from, uh, from the Hitchcock uh, films of that era? He, he, oh, he, we're, we're both musicians and we're both idiots. <laughs> also kids don't take edibles. I mean, I'm just, I'm speaking from experience. Well, I mean, yeah. Wait till you're a grown up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wait till you're a grown up. And then when you're a grown up, take about 30 to 40 milligrams a day. Different story for a different time. You're not my therapist, are wow. you? Can you get her? Yeah. Well, on, on occasion, you know, one with coffee. Well, let's talk later. <laughs> But history. Hold on. Yeah. Oh no! Is, if those I are, can't help if you. Those I'm are my, two thousand miles away. Those are my last words. I feel especially <laughs> guilty. Son, your father died doing a bit about edibles. <laughs> yeah, just like a real rap hacker. <laughs> That's right. What kind of candy do you want? I got chocolate. I got all this, like. There's nothing worse than Sammy Davis Jr. doing an intentionally affected voice. Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's worse, but I know what you mean. <laughs> At any rate, it's great to hear those kind of minor key Vivaldi-esque strings by themselves. It makes sense. It's very dramatic. I love about that Eleanor Rigby. I love 
how it segues into Julia and how that one note plays over the Julia part, like it makes it sound like a like a major seventh or something. There's something beautifully discordant about it. Um, if you know what I'm talking about, I think it's it's still like residue from Eleanor Rigby uh, creeping into Julia. Residue from Eleanor Rigby makes me think about about grave yuck. <laughs> grave yuck. Isn't that what they call like like rando grave fluids is grave yuck? I don't know. I guess I like that. I've never heard that one. Well, grave yuck. Still not taken improv community. <laughs> it's the the only two words that have not been used for a Herald team. Yeah. It's the only one left on the improv name database. That's how I should have made my money. I was okay. Now I'll point out something that I think didn't work. Somewhere in Glass Onion, parentheses, hello, goodbye, there is a train wreck segue going into the last verse. And I don't know how it made it in, onto this album. Like, I could have made a better edit on GarageBand. <laughs> That's, that was the Beatles' challenge. Make a better edit on GarageBand from 07. <laughs> I uh, will. And I will have won that contest. <laughs> I don't know that moment. That moment's not ringing a bell. It's going into the last verse. It just, it just, again, it's, it just sounds like a razor blade slash. You can just so, see the razor blade. Because there's those only in Northern Song horns that come in early in the transition, which I, I, I love the kind of discordant kind of chaos sound of that. Yeah, there were definitely a lot of samples uh, and pieces that I were so familiar, but out of context, I couldn't figure them out. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd have to like really dig in, deep in, dig in. Deep dish and <laughs> I've had deep pods. dish. I've been to Uno's once. <laughs> well, that's why it's called Uno's. You just go once. <laughs> and then if you really got to go a second time, you go to Douay. You go to Douay and then that's it. <laughs> then it's Pequod's. And then whatever friend from a foreign country you find, you'd go to Ed DeBevick's instead. <laughs> and you know what's even worse now? I'm just realizing I don't remember if I went to Gino's East out here or Giordano's out here. I forget which one is out here. <laughs> Good God, one's deep dish, one's stuffed, you animal. <laughs> what? Yeah, stuffed. You know, I worked at Connie's Pizza when I was in high school. What are your thoughts on Connie's? I mean, I worked there. I liked it. It was good, especially when it was free. It was great. There was a year or like two years when the Cubs, pre-World Series, pre-Theo, where their official pizza sponsor was Diagostino's. Right. And I always thought it was real cool that like... Dag has got like a Cubs pizza sponsorship yeah. in like the mid two thousands. That that felt like such a nineteen eighty seven choice. Like yeah, a, and this, there's like four of them. It's like a mom pop shop. But yeah, the, the United Center's got. I think I think the United Center might be. Um, uh, what's the shitty stuff that they say is like delivery, but it sucks. Oh, what's uh, fu- d- fucking DiGiorno? DiGiorno. Yeah, the United in Chicago, the United Center is DiGiorno Pizza. Which is offensive. So it was cool to see Wrigley have uh, Diagostinos for a couple of years. But I yeah. think a Connie's is being baseball pizza. That's how I know my Connie's. Oh, I like that. I like that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you get two Chicago guys together. <laughs> Next week's going to be, I don't know, fucking rubber sole and Italian beeps. <laughs> Which ingredient is most like a song on rubber sole? <laughs> Yeah, man. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Also, Beggar's Pizza all the way. Anyway. uh, (laughs) Favorite Stones album. (laughs) All right. Well, some of my other favorites are, uh, 
I forgot how much I like the song Sun King, especially when it's backwards as Gniknus. Yeah, Gniknus, which is not to be confused <laughs> with, with Get Raus, the kind of weird German version of Get Back on those. Uh, oh, right. I forgot about yeah. that version. Yeah. I forgot about that version. When I, I'll never forget seeing the, uh, the CD case that faded night at Target in November when I bought it. I thought that's. I thought it was Get Rouse. I like. I'm like, oh, what could Gink now speak? It's like <laughs> 06. I wasn't rushing on the internet, but yeah. Let right. me tell you one of my big complaints with the soundtrack, and let that serve as a as a jumping off point for you, my friend Tony. All right. I believe one of the biggest flaws in the musical instruction of Love is the early to mid Beatles are way underrepresented. You get an edited version of I Want to Hold Your Hand that syncs up with the Hollywood Bowl version. You get right. that. Uh, one of my favorite moments is that kind of mid '60s medley. Was that "Drive My Car" and "The Word" and "What You're Doing," which is yeah. great because two of those three songs are beat quote unquote Beatles obscure. They're well known songs, but they're they're on the more obscure level. They're, they're not on any of the Beatles hits compilations. So it's cool that they're used, but after that, it jumps basically to pre Pepper and then they're off and running it frustrated me because there's so much great early stuff help is used as well i should mention that in a non-remixed way yeah there's not much difference at all in that no there really isn't whereas i think i think that mid-60s the rubber soul mashup to me is one of the highlights of the album for me i i hear those savoy truffle horns and drive my car even when i'm hearing the Ah, non-version that was my note drive my car what are those horns from that's what I it's was. It's all Savoy Truffle. Yes, yeah. that's what I was saying earlier about like, oh, I'd have to like stop and pause the song. You know, um, they also use the uh, Taxman guitar solos in that too. That's right, which is cool. Um, I will say, I will say that that medley in particular had a real Stars on Forty Five vibe for me. Because I think Stars on 45 was heavy mid-period. In a good way? <laughs> I mean, it, it dressed it up. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't sound-alike guys singing it. It was the real guys singing it, you know? So, no, I li- I liked it. I like Stars on 45. Why not? I'm know? already I'm already thinking I, I can't wait to do that episode. I love Stars on 45. And there's a long version that's like 16 minutes. It's one whole album side. That if you haven't heard, will blow your. It's it almost. It's all Beatles. It's all Beatles. It's like a there's a 16 minute version from which they edited the four minute single, and that long oh. version will blow your mind because it's equal parts horrifying and amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear that. I'd love to hear that. Uh, well, another one of my favorites is the Mister Kite into the I Want You. She's so heavy part which then has helter skelter going on in it it's pretty cool yeah yeah the mr kite part's fine but when it kicks into the the abbey road stuff with helter skelter going on that's another personal favorite highlight yeah strawberry fields is interesting starting with the acoustic demo and then going kind of chronologically into like the take one version and then like the take seven version and then the finished version with the horns like the remake and I love how the drums keep going. Yeah. The Strawberry Fields, those those Coda drums, which sounds like two people playing drums. And adding uh, Hello Goodbye to the Coda is so neat. Yeah. It actually yes. works. It sh- that's a moment that shouldn't work and works. Yeah. And there's some piggies in there, too. Yeah, I wrote down, this is what drugs feels like. 
<laughs> and that's what I got. That's the whole vibe I kind of got from this whole record and maybe perhaps from this performance. And uh, as I was watching the DVD, I was thinking like, oh, man, I want to see this show. And, you know, I'll see it straight, but it would be real fun to see it all looped up, too. So, Well, if you don't want to see it straight, maybe we sit next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> they call it a callback. <laughs> You gotta get that bell closer to you, man. <laughs> That's, I, I, I don't want to be too upfront in the mix with my bell. I'll do my own fucking sound design. We gonna be cool about that? Is this the hill you're gonna die on? I'm gonna get Jeff Lynn in here to move that bell up. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> Jeff. Can you mix that bell at a sixteen? Can you make sure it's all red? All, all red. Putin 2020. He likes um, his compression. He likes his limiter. <laughs> He does like his limiter. Uh, <laughs> here is one of my favorites, and I've always loved Lady Madonna. I love it way more in mono than in stereo. But the Lady Madonna Hey Bulldog mashup to me is amazing, and it's effective and doesn't improve upon it, but it also makes Hey Bulldog more well-known, which I any excuse for that song to get more notoriety. I've never understood why Hey Bulldog fell through. It, the only compilation it's been on, I think, was it on rock and roll music or was it just on file under rock? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was on rock and roll music volume two. I'm pretty sure. That's right. I will say it did get it like five years ago. It started getting some some attention. Like it was one of those like Internet things for people who were just discovering the Beatles. Like you won't believe this song. And someone finally took the video footage for the Lady Madonna promo film and synced it up to, you know, the song they were actually recording when they were doing the Lady Madonna promo video. It's an awesome video. How cool. The, like, I feel like that got low discussion in Beatles circles because that was, what was that for the one album? I'm forgetting when that, when that came out, but it, it was really cool when it did. At any yeah, rate, I don't know. that's one of my favorites um, on the album too. And so we also watched the DVD all together now, which is, yeah, like I said earlier, it's uh, the making of process. Um, I think I thought I was going to be able to see the show and I was very excited. And then I'm like, oh, that would not make sense. Why would they put out the show right, <laughs> on a DVD? It's an uncirc thing to do. <laughs> very uncirc. But I don't know. I'm, I'm also a moron. So I, I, You're a Mormon? I, What'd you say? <laughs> yeah, I am now. Um, right. So this DVD... I was I was taken by how honest it was presented. Like they're showing it, they're showing the failures, they're showing the stresses. I thought it really captured the stress of a just putting on a show in general, like that stress. But then the added stress of doing a Vegas show, <laughs> and then the enormous stress notes from of, Yoko. How yeah, about that of stress? Having to having to please. The two surviving members of the Beatles, living legends, and then the estates of the two deceased members. And yeah, I mean, I, but I get it too. I also agree with Yoko, you know, that Come Together isn't a song about like, it's not an orgy song. Totally. And, and it's the, the, the version they used is better. But also when I saw the DVD for the first time, I remember thinking they released an album where they're naked on it. What are they now? Was Yoko a big, you know, uh, Tipper Gore person? Like, you, I, I don't want any sex. Like, I, I get what she was saying, but she's an inherent exhibitionist, or at least was. That surprised me that she wasn't a little more progressive with that. 
Well, I think I think it was just the mess. Like I think she was she probably saw was just like sexy girls writhing around on the floor. That's not like what John Lennon had in mind when he wrote that song. It was you know it was a political statement. No, that that is what he had in mind when he wrote "Luck of the Irish." Oddly enough. <laughs> <laughs> so getting into it, yeah, like both uh, Olivia Harrison and Yoko Ono representing the estates of the deceased were, I would say, the the harder to please of, of the, uh, who are these people? The executives. So Yoko and her notes come together aside, you can tell how vigorously she's defending the memory of John Lennon, which she's done over and over again, sparring with Paul when Paul wanted to change the credits of, quote-unquote, his songs to McCartney-Lennon. Right. The DVD, to me, to your point about the honesty of it, there's a... Uh, I think my favorite Beatles book's also the most depressing. It's called You Never Give Me Your Money. Yeah, I've read that one. Uh, so I don't know if you shared similar thoughts, but it's among the most enlightening, it's among the best written, and it's depressing because it, it just looks at everything through the guise of how cutthroat they all were yeah it's the business and it's the money and those are the things that kind of tear things up a lot of the time yeah in my opinion but you so seeing yoko and olivia kind of uh, uh to a lesser point olivia uh and both lovely and strong women but you kind of got a it felt like another chapter in that book to me it was brutally honest about you know, George wouldn't have seen it this way. How many, who gets how many songs? And the director, uh, Dominique, is saying, not Dominique Wilkins did not direct this show. <laughs> I want to be very clear. Great dunker, not a great Cirque director. Uh, they, uh, uh, but uh, him saying, John's got 14, Paul's got 13, you know, just even going through it, it's like the actor who goes, wait a minute, how many lines do I have in yeah, this thing? Yeah, counting lines, that whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, and Yoko or, took uh, offense. Counting Crows, your second favorite band. <laughs> I'll never forget one of the first conversations we had was you say, you know, TJ, I love the Beatles, but the Counting Crows cover of Big Yellow Taxi is a highlight of music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had my hair like his for years. Uh, you, you, you knew me that. <laughs> you used to call me Little Duritz back then. <laughs> Little Adam Duritz. For different reasons. <laughs> No, but even like in an early incarnation, like, you know, before the sets were fully complete and this and that, and they were showing uh, Paul and Ringo and Yoko and Olivia all the where they were at. Um, yeah, Yoko pulled aside Dominique and was like, I don't like that all the later stuff is the other guys and John's music is just the early stuff. And that's probably why then we didn't see a lot of early music there because... Yoko's input was to, you know, the more interesting stuff, probably the stuff when she knew him, you know, possibly selfishly. Um, she wanted that more represented than the stuff before. the What's known as, like, their trite, you know, stuff, you know. There's not a lot of people that prefer the early stuff to the old stuff, you know. Well, let's, let's take a look at the run out of the show. Later stuff. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, However, I'm a guy who will sit here and say, I think I love all parts equally, but my favorite album is Rubber Soul, and my second favorite album, I think, is Revolver, and I think my third favorite album is A Hard Day's Night. So, wow. uh, 
or I'm going to switch at Hardy's Night for Let It. No, I take it back. I'm going to go Rubber Soul, Let It, <laughs> let it Be, Revolver because I love because uh, I, I love how yeah I know you love I love let how it weird be, yeah. Let It Be is. It doesn't sound like anything else. I just I love Let It Be. Um, <laughs> but the run out of love. Uh, let's take a look at who's represented. It really begins with While My Guitar Gently Weeps, which uses the demo uh, version of it that we heard in Anthology. Yeah. There's another version floating around from the same era with an organ in the background. Yeah, that's right. Which is that's right. I had that on a bootleg. Okay. Yeah. Me too. And it's awesome. Uh, but George that. Martin, the last musical score he ever wrote or recorded was adding a string arrangement to While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Now, he'd done this after John Lennon died with Grow Old With Me from Milk and Honey. Uh, the, I didn't know that. Yeah. He, uh, he added string. And that was 83, I think, maybe 84. Um, yeah. So he'd done that before, but yeah, adding strings to that while my guitar gently weeps helps elevate that version as an equal standard. But so it's while my guitar gently weeps. That's George day in the life. That's John, John and Paul, but primarily we'll call it a John song, right? Paul's got the bridge, but it's, I always, I always consider that a half and half. Uh, me too. But if we're going to get nerdy, it's a 60, 40, right? Yeah. Yeah. So a little more to John. Then you go in. Then you go into. <laughs> then we're hate. in the fractions and shit. Then we're fucked. Okay, <laughs> do not make me do fractions. I, oddly enough, I believe in neither fractions nor fracking. I want to be very clear on my stance on fracking. Why do? How come we all had to learn fracking in fifth grade? I mean, when did we ever use it? I know. Now I have an earthquake under my house every year for different reasons. Too much Geno's East. <laughs> Hey, we got all your fart jokes coming up next on Untitled. So, while my guitar gently weeps is George. Day in the Life is John slash Paul. Hey Jude is Paul. I love the Hey Jude on here, by the way. They they use a bass line from an earlier take of the song. Oh, I didn't know that. There's a kind of a funky when there's the they, the breakdown, which is brilliant. They kind of take the music out. Oh, that's my least favorite part can. of anything. Never do that. I, <laughs> Uh, we will. I give five fabs. You give zero fabs for that part. I hate that. I hate it. Everybody. Uh, he does that at well, those concerts. I can't stand it. It it is it is live. It's tricky. But now the people in the middle. Yeah, yeah that's that's a little tricky. <laughs> but on this, it works. And Paul's got that bass line. Doom do 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 do, which you don't hear on the on the master take. Right. That just sounds so great. So I do. And that's cool. Let me just say the big cry moment for me in the show after Day in the Life is getting from Hey Jude into the Sgt. Pepper reprise where the Hey Jude horns are playing over the Sgt. Pepper drum intro. It's a fucking musical theater moment. It is the it, it is the exemplification of how you'd arrange that if you were doing it on Broadway and doing it correctly and tastefully. I love that moment. It's an, it's brilliant engineering and mixing by George and Giles Martin. I agree. Yeah. That part's really cool. And it, it's real fun how it works, how it fits somehow the tempos line up. You know, I don't know yeah. if there's manipulation with that, but it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel manipulated. I'll just say that. The one thing I was wondering as I was watching the documentary was like all the people that the dancers and this and that, like, do they like, 
now hate all these songs, <laughs> you know, like when you do a show and like these songs become, they, t- they, they cease becoming songs. They become these parts of your body and your brain that are now like stuck in you forever. And I just imagine them all going home and listening to like Norwegian black metal or just like really dirty, like that's dirty a great South Beatles mashup is Norwegian black metal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be. Yeah, Dark Throne it does. Don't pass me by. I'm sure Terry Hammond's played it. Oh, we get a request for a wonderful Terry. Stop saying wonderful. It's not wonderful. If I don't want to hear it, nobody wants to hear it. Here's Susie and the Banshees with "If I Fell." I I don't care. I don't need it. I love no, how much you hate Susie and the Banshees. I really don't. It's meant to embody like. Oh, uh, we got a wonderful request for Depeche Mode doing early 1970. Why? Why would they even cover that one? The the Ringo B side. <laughs> wow. I play wow. guitar A D E. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's that song. I don't play piano because it's in C. Oh, and my organ. <laughs> and when I go into town, I want to see all three. That's a great one. Um, Maybe next episode, I'll just play Blast from Your Past on piano. The way it's meant to be heard. Piano Bar podcast. I just get loaded and request. Can throw you, hold up a Zoom napkin. Not for requests to actually clean your face. Yeah. Dude, everything was going fine. Tony tried to clean his face with a Zoom napkin. <laughs> Help, I'm stuck in a Zoom meeting. I'm trapped. It's like Superman 2. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, uh, I'm trying to think if I have anything else to say. I mean, that DVD was great. Uh, you can't stream it or anything. So, uh, you know, maybe you've got a friend that has it or buy it, I suppose. DM me and I'll send you a link. <laughs> <laughs> there you, you go. Know, it, yeah, it really is. It It's an underrated documentary by virtue of how honest it is. You you brought this up, Tony. Like, it, it really is a warts and all look. It 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 is this chapter of the Beatles, Let It Be. It, it shows a lot more bullshit than you get in any Apple-approved Beatles product. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, I like how honest they were. And then one side note that the guy from the Mirage, the the casino. Who to- you you know he's going for November. I saw him. I'm like, this yeah. is where we're bad people because we both probably saw him and went, fuck that guy. Yeah. Is, that a, is, that, is that a NASCAR plaque behind him? Yeah. No, fuck that guy. Yeah. yeah, he's complaining about the cost of the speakers and all this shit. And he's like. Yeah, that guy, that, but it's great. They put him in there, you know, so like I said, it's honest. Oh, I know what I wanted to say to, to touch on what you were talking about with George Martin and the score is that if you get the DVD, you actually get to see him conduct that, that session yeah. at Air Studios. So there's some great stuff in there. There's some great stuff. You get to see a guy ride a unicycle on desert gravel. Every time I see that, I feel like it's from a Steely Dan documentary for Asia. There's there's one of those, not behind the music, but what was that series of uh, of like geek out uh, DVDs? Oh, pop up video? No, not pop up video. Like that went into classic rock. There's a John Lennon. There's a Plastic Ono Bam one. Uh, album oh. album classics or whatever it's called. A series of DVDs. Right. 
And yes, they did, I know they did one about. for Asia, and every other scene is of like somebody on a bike in Malibu or birds on the water. For <laughs> I'm always like <laughs> stock footage, man. Good stuff. Totally. Good stuff. Royalty free. <laughs> Royalty. Free. But yeah, it's it, it it is the DVD. I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed it and how compelling it was because they managed to get Beatles history in. They managed to get some candid interviews with George Martin. The stuff of George and Paul kibitzing is amazing. Yes. Yeah, that's that fly on the wall stuff with George Martin talking like bitching to Paul about how he had to play the the harmonium or whatever during Benefit Mr. Kite. Benefit of Mr. Kite, yeah. <laughs> that's a great story. Uh yeah, you get to see the the hat Yoko wears to the premiere that's <laughs> Well, and you, many of our listeners know that I, I, I run uh, yokoshats.com, <laughs> which yeah. is kind of my, I've long collected photos of Yoko's headwear, <laughs> but yeah. it, it's, it's a great DVD. The album is wonderful. It, it probably should not work. It probably should be cheesy. I wonder if first generation Beatle fans are like, what, why will we ever need this? But as a... I think we're second generation, right? Born in... Yeah, we're born after they broke up. So for me, I love it. And it was cool to... I felt this way about Free as a Bird. To have a quote-unquote new Beatles product that's from the Beatles in my lifetime just feels cool. I agree, man. Well, it's called Love. You can find it streaming. It sounds like I'm doing an ad for it. Um, Brought to you by The Flip Side. (laughs) (laughs) The Flip Side. Also a Camelot Music on Capitol Records and Tapes by Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA, $4.99 cassette, $6.99 vinyl at The Flip Side. (laughs) Remember that? Flip Side. Yeah, with all the the shitty echo on it, (laughs) overmodulated, just busting your speakers out so you have to go to... Circuit City. It wasn't even Circuit City. Fredder. You have to go to Fredder, Fredder and get a new... <laughs> Fredder Highlander. I think I went to a silo once or twice. You have to go to a silo. Service merchandise. Uh, <laughs> I got to go to Venture. I need, I, I need some... Venture. Venture, was the, Venture and Zare were the original target. They were, man. Uh, they were right next to J.C. Penny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, if you send in a penny to us, we'll send you 10 Beatle records. Uh, it only costs a penny. That's right. One penny, 10 Beatles records. It may be 10 copies of the Beatles versus Frank Ifield, but you're <laughs> 10 bootlegs. Frank Ifield. Frank, you field, buddy. <laughs> and what about Marshall Field? Should Macy's have changed the name? That's coming up next on Pizza Talk. Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. 